Hey everybody, this is Ted Vaughn, host of Future Nonprofit, and today is a bonus show. Occasionally, from time to time, we're gonna do shows just like this so that we can share trends that we're seeing both in and out of the nonprofit industry. Today, Mark Miller will be joining me. Mark is the co-founder of Historic, producer of Future Nonprofit, and co-author of Culture Built My Brand. But before we welcome Mark, we want to hear from you. So what that means is if you go to Future Nonprofit, you can click on the microphone in the lower right corner and give your input, your questions on what you'd like us to tackle in future shows, possibly with future guests. So go to futurenonprofit.com, click on the mic and give us your questions or thoughts for future episodes. And we'll look forward to hearing those and responding to them in other bonus episodes. But now I'd like to welcome to the show, Mark Miller. Mark, great to have our resident producer joining us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to hit five trends. Each of those will be unpacked in a little bit of detail. We'll share our experience that we've seen both at Historic, but in our client work and in the things we've heard from our guests. So let's dive in and start with trend number one. The first trend is taking bigger risks through structured testing, taking bigger risks through structured testing. So learning to fail fast is a critical skill, especially for nonprofits. But how do you grow that skill and grow the competency of risk taking in smart ways that don't undermine progress or undermine culture? Mark, what are you seeing and what does the structured testing idea mean anyways? Yeah, so what we're seeing is both huge legacy nonprofits and smaller upstart nonprofits really survey the cultural moment that we're in and realizing that they need to create bigger change. They need to innovate if they're going to raise more funds or have a bigger impact with the cause or mission that they're trying to live out. What structured testing is before we kind of roll out this big initiative or big program or big rebrand or whatever innovative thing that you might be working on, it's thinking about, okay, how are we going to measure this test to see if this innovation or the thing that we think might work is actually working and create kind of like a sandbox to, to test this in. And so um, there's lots of different ways to do that, whether it's through user testing, focus groups, developing an MVP and testing that uh, if it's more product oriented or service oriented. And then coming back to the leadership table and saying, okay, we, we did a test, did it meet those key indicators that we were hoping for? And if it did, okay, let's go to the next phase and roll that out. Now, that is a pretty basic form of testing in human-centered design. But what's really exciting is that these are really big risks that we're seeing organizations take in this structured testing environment. So it's no longer like, are we going to A-B test this color of button. It's more like, hey, is there a fundamental way that we could do fundraising that is completely different than everyone else that's out there or what has been done for the past 50 years? And that's really exciting that these bigger, bigger, bigger things that they want to test. And there's this counterintuitive nature to innovation. What we find, right, is the organizations that have the most intention and structure and discipline and rigor tend to take the bigger risks because they're taking them in a way that is well-planned, it's thoughtful, they know there's a chance of failure, 
And the organizations that don't have that rigor and don't have that structure and don't have that discipline, they're operating from a place of fear where they've probably had a lot of failed risks, sloppy risks, and innovation that was just poorly done. So in very counterintuitive ways to many of you, great innovation and great risk-taking requires structure and planning and discipline and rigor. Yeah, and it requires a lot of detail. Your leadership might be a burn victim of failed innovation, which is, hey, we want to say that we're for innovation, but we want 99% of all of the things that we try to work at 10,000%. And that's just not how it works. You know, thing, We're going to test a hypothesis and it's going to work or it's not going to work. But the more structure you can put around it, the easier it is also to sell leadership on this idea to make key stakeholders feel heard and feel safe because they know what we're testing. They know what the key indicators are that we're looking for and its success. So if you're a young leader or you're even a volunteer in a nonprofit and you want to try something or take a risk, the best thing you can do is to provide some clear framework around the why, the what, the how, the measurables. Senior leadership will be a lot more prone to empower risk-taking when you come to them with an idea that's been baked and is structured and not just a free-for-all or a throw mud against the wall. And if you want to learn more about that, in episode number two with Rodney Evans... Where things fall apart, whether you're talking about a change management initiative or M&A or a programmatic approach to performance management or anything sort of big system-y is in the system design. It's in the how. And in episode number five with Dr. Latte Letergo from Oxfam, he's the chief innovation officer of Oxfam, and he goes deep into that subject as well. To avoid this culture of um, innovation is this shiny magic bullet. No, it's ways of thinking, you know, ways of doing, of course, ways of achieving concrete, tangible result, outcomes, impact, at scale. Okay, trend number two, branded monthly giving programs. What are branded monthly giving programs, Mark Miller? Uh, yeah, so most nonprofits have a some form of recurring monthly giving, and that could just be an option on the donate page when you're making a gift, or it could be something more intentional. And what we're actually seeing is a huge move among the nonprofit clients we serve and what we're hearing from our network of nonprofits really embracing this idea of that we want to create a specific brand around that monthly giving and create a community with our donors where they can potentially interact with each other. And more than just, hey, you're going to get a monthly newsletter, but really creating something that is an experience. And a lot of these programs are being targeted towards younger donors. And so what we're, we're seeing is, in some cases, revenue is up for nonprofits um, that have a really great high net worth major donor programs. But they're also seeing the reality that they're not attracting enough younger donors to replace those older or high net worth donors. And so they're really spending the time in, in developing these monthly programs that are going to help them solve that problem. And Mark, talk a little bit about the trend that we've seen from an over-reliance, perhaps, on major gifts into more of a decentralized, almost crowdsourced funding model like Michael McDonald of The Bible Project. 
different organizations are, are structured differently in how they do fundraising, but a lot of the legacy nonprofits have developed really sophisticated and quite frankly, successful major donor programs, more high net worth donor programs. And a lot of younger organizations that have come to just radically expand their footprint in a shorter amount of time have been those with monthly giving programs. Now, they both come with pros and cons. We think a healthy nonprofit is going to have multiple ways that they generate revenue, whether it's a monthly program or recurring grants, major donor partnerships. The more diverse revenue you have, the, the better. But there is a huge downside that we see when really working with just not major donors and and focusing a lot of time and intention there from a marketing and, and positioning standpoint. And that is when we talk about creating an impact for the cause, you have fewer people in that pool. And if you really want to see change, whether it's social change or change in healthcare or solving homelessness crisis that we're seeing pop up in so many cities after the pandemic, the more people that you have that care about that cause, that are invested, that are becoming advocates, the more that you can actually see that change happen. And so we think it's really important that these programs launch and we've been helping clients and we're seeing a lot of clients come to us and, and ask for, hey, how, how do we help with this? Or hearing people launching programs. And we think this is a great way to really bring more people into your mission versus just thinking about it from a dollar standpoint. Yeah, it's no coincidence that the examples we've seen in our work of brands that get this right tend to have really good community engagement and have longer retention of donors. There's a lot around this topic. And if you want to learn more about new strategies and trends in giving, check out episode one with Hannah Song from Liberty in North Korea. How do we get 25 million people to come alongside us and to support North Korean people if they don't even know what's going on in North Korea? And episode number three with Michael McDonald of The Bible Project. The last time I checked, it was about 80% of our funding came from those patrons that are $50 or less, not the other way around. Both go deep into these topics and both have a lot of learning. All right, trend number three is simply taking Gen Z more seriously. Social scientists believe that Gen Z will be the most socially conscious generation yet. And if they believe in you, those Gen Zers will become loyal members and contributors. But how you communicate and connect with them has never mattered more. So Mark, why do you believe Gen Z is a serious generation for nonprofits that they should take much more seriously? Well, I think what we're seeing among, again, our clients, our network, what we're hearing in this space is that they are sold out to being more purposeful in their work. And so there's a high interest. And that, again, what we're hearing and seeing in, in donor data is that fewer and fewer young people are contributing financially to nonprofits in the, in the traditional sense. And so to make a play, to really reach out and and involve these people who actually care really deeply about your cause. And not just from a 50,000 foot view, but from a very personal, empathetic perspective, a one-on-one -on -one perspective is really important. And in addition, what's really exciting is that we're seeing nonprofits starting to embrace hiring more and more Gen Z 
staff and to think about how they work differently. And so we hope to see more of that because we think there's a huge opportunity in learning from that younger generation, while at the same time, them learning from those seasoned fundraising professionals that you might have on your team. And we think there's a a huge opportunity to really create change with that. There's also something really helpful about having the next generation be given a seat of influence so that things like your messaging, your storytelling, your brand, those things matter. And the younger we go, the more we find the world communicates to them in much more sophisticated, intentional, beautiful purposeful ways. And if we as nonprofits fail to communicate to that generation in ways that are becoming increasingly common to them, we're going to continue to be left in the dust as the generational shifts take place faster and faster and faster than ever before. So simply inviting them into places of influence, asking their opinion, taking them seriously, doing focus groups, it'll keep your brand on a more cutting edge and that will matter more and more and more because they're not going to give out of the same loyalty or obligation or just legacy position that we've seen older generations give from. Yeah, some of the most successful people I've learned from are people who have mentors in every generation. And that's kind of really interesting to think about because when we think about mentor, we think about someone older who has more experience, but there's still a lot to be learned from those who are younger than us for sure. And in episode four, we talked to a leader who, I don't know if he's Gen Z, but he's close, Lance Blair of Liquid Death. And what a great brand to learn from. I mean, a cutting edge brand in the consumer marketplace, but cause driven, relating to Gen Z and having incredible success in both the mission that they serve, but also the products that they sell. I think this generation understands that we are responsible for the world around us. And that's not going to change. It's actually becoming more important. All right. Trend number four is leveraging your brand to diversify revenue. Leveraging your brand to diversify revenue. Nonprofits no longer can think through single donation channel growth. They have to begin to think in the world of SaaS, the world of consumer brands, multiple ways to diversify revenue, but all of them require a brand that is compelling, that's engaged, and that relates to the audience that they're trying to grow by. So if you don't have a strong brand, you don't have an intentional brand strategy, you're going to have a really hard time diversifying opportunities for revenue. Mark, talk to us about what you're seeing out there. Yeah, so what we're seeing again in the nonprofits that we serve and what we hear from in our network is uh, more and more people are spending time, or I should say organizations are spending time investing in developing brand that's probably more on par with a direct-to-consumer brand or DTC company or a consumer packaged goods company. And that is really trying to associate this kind of like lifestyle with the nonprofit. And it's interesting because what what we're seeing in the the for-profit space is that Gen Z is putting a lot of pressure on organizations and corporations to take political and social stances on various issues, even if it's a shoe company or a tire company or they make 
sparkling water. They want to know where you stand on the environment and social issues and racial injustice and all these things. And what's interesting is that nonprofits already have those stances, if you will, built into their mission. They're really primed to take advantage of this new generation by creating a brand that they can wear essentially as a badge and say, hey, this I'm associated with this. This is part of my identity. With that, I think comes a platform that allows you to start developing really interesting revenue streams that you couldn't do if it was just, hey, we're a nonprofit and we're only going to ask for money twice a year. Um, and what we're seeing some of our clients do is develop both corporate partnerships, B2B products in whatever their cause or industry is to generate additional lines of revenue. And those also come with other areas of influence. And so when you when you think, well, we're just a nonprofit, we don't need to diversify, we just we people will provide the money, it actually opens doors for greater influence and greater impact. So thinking about a corporate sponsorship where you have influence with executive leaders of a Fortune 500 company or a product that's allowing you to sell something into an industry take climate change, for instance, we're going to take our software and we're going to license it to municipalities so they can track plastic. Well, you're going to have a larger impact in reducing plastic, as an example. So it's a really great opportunity and we're seeing more and more nonprofits really position them as themselves as brands and less around nonprofits. And I think there's an interesting relationship between these trends because you won't ever cross that line if you don't take risks and throw some ideas against the wall, do some structured testing, and really see what's right and what works. And there will be ideas that don't work, right? So if we don't have a culture and a a structured model of innovation and testing, we'll probably never get there because there's so much gravitational pull towards what's familiar. And evidence of branded monthly giving programs, which requires people to think in new ways, to own that community voice, to call people into something greater, to give them a sense of your $5 donation matters. And there's a greater sense of connection. And Gen Z eats this up. If there is one reason to embrace this diversified revenue model, it's because Gen Z will be your greatest adopters of this model. So there's a lot of relationship between these trends, but let's move to trend number five. The one most important to my heart, we're going to talk about culture. The reason we're going to talk about culture is because trend number five is about workers leaving the nonprofit sector. Nonprofits are, in our experience, some of the most complex and difficult organizations to lead effectively. Those that work in that sector for a long time tend to have a lot of scar tissue because it's a challenging environment to do well, and the stats aren't looking great about the workers and the workforce in the nonprofit sector. Mark, talk to us about that. Yeah, so the last uh, stat I saw was that 75% or 75.3% of workers in the nonprofit sector are considering leaving their existing job or they're actively looking or they're considering leaving their job in the next 12 months. And that has to do with, again, the reputation of working in nonprofits. And the way to combat that is going to be culture. And you know, what's interesting about that stat too, is I think the overall industry, it is 65%. So it's in nonprofits, it's 10% higher than all other industry as a whole in the United States. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done in 
the nonprofit sector and our organizations and, and how we treat people. And I think there's huge opportunities in providing mental health options and thinking about that seriously as in our culture and our organization and getting creative with our compensation and what are the things that we actually value. And so culture ties all those things together, right? And creates a space for us to say, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're actually going to believe and do. It's fascinating that the stat's 10% higher because you would think if anybody is in something in a way that galvanizes them and keeps them focused and keeps them excited, it's the nonprofit space. But I think what we find is is too often leaders in the nonprofit space presume on their employees. They know that they're there because they care and that care often leads them, unfortunately, to benign neglect, not, not intentional neglect, but we're also busy caring, we're also busy doing, we're also busy running at the cause we actually don't do the basics of development, supervision, management, all the things that tend to make organizations healthy and great and scale and grow. The irony is that the nonprofit space is often the worst offender at this stuff, yet it has the people who are the most willing to receive it. We have to figure out how to be better in our nonprofits or we're going to continue to see unacceptable stats around people leaving the nonprofit sector. Yeah, and if we're serious about creating change in the world, then we need the very best minds to do that and the, and the most diverse teams to do that because the more diversity you have, the better the ideas you get. And that's not going to happen if we continue to treat people the way the industry has, good or bad, has kind of been branded as they do. Yeah, and I think the last thing I'll say about this is is I'm finding the nonprofits that are having success are rethinking their relationship to money. Yeah, I think for too long, we've had the starving artist, the starving nonprofit mindset. We have to learn how to compensate and spend money more strategically to retain the talent or attract the talent that we need to be successful. And if our missions matter, then success and talent should matter as well. So like I said at the beginning of this trend, culture has come up in just about every episode, but there are three episodes where culture is a more unique aspect of our focus, and those would be episode number two with Rodney Evans, episode number six, Jared Walker from Dollar Four. I'm not great at a handful of things and finding people and just giving them the authority, the place to like do their thing and get out of their way. And episode number seven with Linda Rutherford from Southwest Airlines. The 18-year-old ramp agent needs something different from Southwest Airlines than the 80-year-old mechanic. And we have both. And so it's understanding meeting people where they are, understanding what their experience is like, and then identifying those pain points where we can dig in and do a better job. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode as we talk about five trends in the nonprofit space that we believe are important for you as leaders to know and care about. We heard from Mark, our producer, brought incredible insight and value. And if you want to shape our show in the future, go to futurenonprofit.com, click on the microphone in the bottom right, and leave a question or feedback for us to address in a future show, which we'll be doing shortly. Thanks for listening to Future Nonprofit. Take care. Future Nonprofit is a production of Lower Street and Historic Agency. Produced by Jackie Lamport, Mark Miller, Ben Cranell, James Bladel, and Ted Vaughn. Edited by Ben Cranell. Visit futurenonprofit.com for a transcript of this episode.